1: And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet, and it's a tool I've been using the great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. You can click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing, the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the reality management worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. If you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you giving us a call at 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1 on your phone, It'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. If you would like to get some feedback and you don't have the option or you prefer not to call live, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org, or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And when we get those comments or questions or testimonials, we will address them on the Internet show, and then as time allows, um, send you a notice about what day and time we address your, con- your concern, and you can listen in, tune into the archives to hear the feedback and we appreciate whenever anybody does that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be of service. And it's easier to do when we get feedback from people about how it's landing for them, whether it's making sense, holding together, etc. So we have plenty of time for comments, questions, answers, testimonials. 563-999-3581 and call that number and press 1. And we will have a conversation. I've been... Uh, doing some I did the interview yesterday with Dr. Bradley Nelson on his book The Body Code and I look forward to publishing that in a few weeks there are a couple others that will be published ahead of that and The Body Code and The Emotion Code are both uh quite valuable, uh, you might call them energy medicine um, techniques. And um, the body code is a far more comprehensive system um, using applied kinesiology or muscle testing to get answers from the unconscious or the subconscious about what might need to be addressed or released within the the individual person's energy system, and the most powerful useful tool that I've learned prior to this, probably about twenty five years ago that does that is um the neuro emotional technique, but the neuro emotional technique requires somebody outside of you to be trained in the technique and to learn how to do the muscle testing and to learn how to ask the questions and hold the energy points for you. With Dr. Bradley Nelson's emotion code and now the body code, to my way of thinking, it's broken new ground because much like the reality management worksheet, it lets anybody pick up the book or the app and learn their own whatever form of muscle testing they want to do, and just step through the process and release energies and emotions and reconnect systems that need to be reconnected energetically. And um, so... He published the emotion code back in 2007 and when that happened I was thrilled because I'd been doing the um, neuroemotional technique for years but those people were very proprietary uh, and um, proprietary and they wouldn't allow anybody else to teach their work they wouldn't allow you to copy any of their material um, and basically they didn't want they really wanted chiropractors to use that that system And they were not that keen on um, therapists and psychologists using that system. They didn't make it easy for us. But then in 2007, Dr. Nelson published the book, The Emotion Code, which made it possible for anybody who reads his book to start releasing um, trapped emotions and energies on their own. And... um, So that is uh, what was happening yesterday after the show. And um, the other thing that's happening is we're talking about the book, A Walk in the Physical, by Christian Sundberg. And in that book, um, Christian talks about, his real af- uh, affinity for the work of Thomas Campbell as a philosopher, spiritualist, uh, physicist, etc. And so um, I'm, I'm exploring the first of three books in a trilogy by Thomas Campbell titled My Big Toe, Awakening and I will keep us posted here on the mind shifters radio as I progress through that if there is something there that I think would be of value to share it's kind of like one of the one of the things I do at a certain point is I try to go back and check out the source material for something that I'm enjoying and I'm thoroughly enjoying and getting I believe benefit from the book a walk in the physical And this Mr. Campbell is one of the source materials that Christian Sundberg talks about. So, uh, 563-999-3581. This is a Friday, so... Call soon and often. Get your comments or questions or suggestions in because we're going into a weekend. And what I was doing yesterday was reading about relinquishing judgment and um, thinking as distinguished from being and how your pain wants to be heard. And now the next... The next essay I will read from Christian Sundberg is titled, Survival is Not Your Goal. And whenever I get to one of these, I think that if this were 10 years ago in my own work, or maybe 15 or 20, but if I had been told this as a title of something, I would have had resistance come up right away. Strong resistance, I might have felt it like a tension in my stomach, or punch the solar plexus where it's hard to catch my breath, or you know, a tension in my forehead, uh, reminiscent of an anger building. So, if that happens to you as we're reading any of these essays, please just breathe and soften, and notice what your thoughts and your interpretations are creating inside you, and know that there are people listening to this who are having even stronger negative responses and mild positive responses all the way up to very very strong positive responses and each of us is creating our own perception and therefore experience this is part of what uh, mr campbell talks about in his book extensively in um, the preface and the intro Because it's going to shock your system to learn something that's radically new and different from everything you've been trained and conditioned into. So here's one of those, Essay 43, titled, Survival is Not Your Goal. The essay reads, your goal for being here, meaning in the body, Your goal for being here is not to survive. In fact, your body won't survive. Your goal is to shine joyfully as your true self, to bring the light of love into this experience, to grow toward genuine love, to process your fears, and to add to creation by being the real you. You are here to be genuine and to exercise true loving intent in common moments wherever you are. You are not here to protect yourself, especially at the cost of others. In this context, financial success is not enough. Fitting in and being comfortable is not enough achieving stability in a world where the normal way of doing doing that creating stability is by primarily thinking of yourself and not those around you that process is not enough it is enough to simply be it is enough to put another before yourself in whatever small way is available to you in the present moment. It is enough to create something even if no one else will see it. It is enough to have fun. It is enough to follow the calling of your spirit even if you abandon comfort in the process. The universe is built in a spirit of playfulness, joy, and pure creativity. That is going to really rankle a lot of people, especially those who are suffering right now, or living in poverty, or living in an inner city setting, or living in a war zone in some country. And yet, I just last night was listening to an interview with a chef who was raised in the inner city and his first job when when he was old enough I think he was about 12 years old his older brother taught him how to cook meth and, and crack and about it as in some families, they raise their kids, and when they get old enough, they set them off. They send them off to college, and they learn, you know, enough to get a job. And they come back and they apply their skills and and their academic degree to, you know, making a living in, in that way that they've been trained. He said, in the ghetto where I lived, in the inner city where I lived, my older brothers. I didn't have a dad. We we basically raised ourselves. Mom and dad weren't around. And my older brother didn't know anything except what he'd been taught, and that was how to do the drug deals. And so it was passed down. And, you know, this may sound horrible, et cetera, and you know, please get to the point, Dr. Hayes, bring it back to what we're talking about. And so what he talked about in this interview is that with all of the violence with all of the drug deals and you know the sex for sale and everything else that went on in that neighborhood he said there was always more love than anything else he said there was love in the in the older brothers and the fathers who would put down their crack and their booze long enough to coach us in baseball or soccer there was always an older person there to, you know, make an extra run to the. He said the Popeyes chicken to get extra food for everybody who couldn't afford it and bring it back and and let people feast every once in a while. He said, if you looked at it from the outside, you would say, "Oh, it's horrible! All this violence, all this hatred, all of this conflict." But he said, living in it day and day, honestly there was more love than anything else. That's what we're talking about in this essay. The universe is built in that spirit of playfulness, joy, and pure creativity, love. And so while your body won't last here long, you might as well enjoy the rigorous environment of this physical universe and use it in a way that satisfies your soul. That's a different purpose for being here than surviving. Find a way to use being to extend love, your being, your true nature, and seeing and feeling the true nature of others, and extend that loving energy in a way that feels good to you, and as they say here, that satisfies your soul. The next essay is one, I know I've read this before because I talk about the Guy Finley quote that is so dear to me, which says, there is nothing more practical than true spirituality. And essay number 44 from the book, A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg is titled, Spirituality, the Search for What is Real. And it reads, true spirituality is the dwelling in what is real. It is not primarily adherence to ideas in the mind. This is an important distinction because as beings living in duality, we commonly feel that truth is to be found within certain ideas and not others. Yet, All ideas and all form exist within the one thing that is, or what we sometimes call God, or we call it source. Source transcends all the ideas and forms. And in that most fundamental level, at that most fundamental level, source is the most real thing there is spiritual truth, then, ultimately does not need to be taken on faith. We're talking about something that is actually real. In fact, it is far more real than that which we commonly experience day to day. And because it is real, we have absolutely nothing to fear. And we can honestly search for what is real and explore what we feel is real. Many people find it terrifying, however, to explore what they feel is real because they believe that the world is a terrible place or that life is terrible. So I'm going to back up and read that after having turned off the ringer on my phone. Many people find it terrifying, however, to explore what they feel is real because they believe that the world is a terrible place and that life is terrible. Indeed, they have much evidence to convince them of this, quote, fact, close quotes. In fact, this reality will always give us evidence to support whatever it is we believe. Dr. Michael Rice talks about this quite a different a few different ways. We recommend the YouTube video from Anil Seth, A N I L is his first name, S E T H is his last name. If you go to YouTube and search for Anil Seth and search for hallucinating reality, you'll have some enlightening some of the newest science to back up what this is saying. What we believe creates our experience and our perception. Indeed, anybody who believes the world is a terrible place or that life is terrible, they have much evidence to support that reality. Because this existence The way the system is set up, it will always show us what we believe is true. This is why Michael Rice talks about the 9-bit mind is an evidential device, and it will only show you the evidence that you tell it to show you. So if you keep saying things like, you make me angry, you hurt my feelings, you're scaring me, your mind will show you evidence that that's exactly what's happening, that someone or something outside of you is creating your emotions. And if you turn around and ask yourself when you have a negative emotion, how am I creating this, your mind will start to show you that. This essay goes on and says, this occurs because what is fundamentally true is not our beliefs themselves, but our awareness itself. Nothing is ever believed, conceived, or experienced without our awareness of it. Thus, in order to actually discover what is real, we must be willing to truly and deeply explore the most challenging thing there is to explore. What is that? Ourselves asking the question at deeper and deeper levels, who are you, what is your true nature, what are you, what is your purpose for being here? The essay goes on and says, spiritual growth can occur when one commits to the honest pursuit of what is real in one's self. Doing so takes considerable personal courage because it means one must be willing to feel what one actually feels and face what one actually is. It's far easier to place the blame on certain ideas or to cling to long-held beliefs for safety than it is to drop the charade of the ego and allow oneself to actually experience everything, including the experience Of uncertainty about what is real but the whole charade of the ego is ultimately an illusion it is not real except that we've made it real for us truth on the other hand will stand up to scrutiny because it simply is but since the truth transcends the human mind The human mind alone cannot fully discern it. Because consciousness transcends the objects of the mind that it beholds, the window to true discernment is a deep familiarity with that which is more real than one's own mind, one's awareness itself. This is why meditation is such a valuable tool by dwelling fully in the present moment instead of being lost in the many thoughts of the illusory mind. So, you know, I... I, My mind is bubbling with all kinds of things because I was... reading the Pierre Pratervan's new book and early on in that book he tells one of my favorite stories he's told it in his other books where he was buying into a Christian group that said they had the answer about what God is and and how to live a perfect life etc and it was a formalized series of statements and it was very rigid And he had a friend whose father was a Muslim imam. And Pierre decided that he would go and educate the imam about God is and the truth of life and all of this stuff. And so he went to visit the imam and the imam... uh, greeted him and they had some nice pleasantries and and then eventually um, Pierre decided to spring the question on the imam, he said, uh, Imam Saul, the, the man's name was Saul, S-A-L, Imam Saul Who or what do the Muslims say is the name for god or or what do the Muslims call God and Pierre was shocked because the Imam said to him, "Well Pierre, if you took all the water in all the oceans and the rivers and the streams and the lakes and the creeks in the world and used it as ink and you took." all of the branches of all the trees in the world and use them as pens, and you wrote for an eternity, you would never exhaust all the names for God. And in that moment... What happened? And I'm I'm pausing here because I'm trying to pull up from uh, that book this little poem. What happened was Pierre was trying to say, "I know what's right," and you and you don't. And the little poem says, "In my arrogance, I tried to draw a circle to keep him out." And love and light won the day and drew a circle to to bring me in. And so the imam eventually said to Pierre, "Pierre, you're a better Muslim than most Muslims." And you know, in in response to Pierre trying to one-up the imam, the imam gave him a compliment. So, what is this thing we call God? What is our true nature? What is this consciousness? It's it's a thing, it's an energy, an experience that goes beyond our words and our ability to conceive. So, Another thing happening in my head right now is that I'm getting distracted because in the group last night, we listened to a podcast by Glennon Doyle, and I think it's Dr. Robin Hill who's written for years on um, gaslighting gaslighting, or lying to somebody to try and get them um, off-balance to get them to doubt their perception. And, um, you know, I've been doing this work for a lot of years. And for to my eye and ear, that podcast is, is a wonderful, short introduction with some depth to it to the concept of gaslighting or crazy making, trying to make somebody think that, they don't know the truth. They can't trust their perception that they're crazy, etc. And after we did that, and I had I'd already listened to that podcast a couple times before we shared it with the group last night. And in the middle of the night last night, I woke up with a thought that harville hendrix has the antidote to gaslighting so what's gaslighting gaslighting is not just a simple disagreement between people we're going to have disagreements as we've just been talking about each of us creates our own perception and so we're going to have things that we perceive differently In other words, I, and I, I gave an example of this not too long ago uh, on the show, my sons um, brought over a card game with all of these designs and colors on the cards and they were showing it to me and said, now these red cards, these cards that had this red circle on them, et cetera, et cetera, and to my eye it was yellow, actual, not even close. You know, what, what my brain registers as red is not what they were seeing as red because what, I, what they were calling red, my brain, my eye was registering it as yellow. Now, in that process, we had a disagreement. We had a literal difference of perception. And yet, there was no gaslighting involved. And how it unfolded was, they first thought I was kidding. I was calm and I and I said I really I'm not kidding you I'm not pulling your leg on this and my younger son actually pulled up a colorblind test and had me take the colorblind test and the result was that I have normal color vision and so I didn't tell him I'm not taking that I said I'll go ahead and take this test maybe I'm maybe I've got some colorblind problem and then when we realized that my color vision is okay and their color vision is okay, there's something else going on here. We just agreed that we perceive this differently. And gaslighting in that situation would be me trying to tell them, you guys are wrong. You, your perception is off. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Nobody else would see it the way you're seeing it. And anybody who sees it that way is just trying to suck up to you to get you to like them. But nobody would see red where you're seeing red. Everybody would see yellow. That would be gaslighting. To discount them discount their perception, to discount their judgment, to discount them as people. And there's a variety of different ways that this can happen that are covered in that podcast by Glennon Doyle. The title of her podcast is We Can Do Hard Things. And if you look at it, it's one of the last two or three that have been published and it's got gaslighting right in the title if you're interested in listening to it. But For this discussion that I'm trying to have here, all we need is to recognize that gaslighting is not about people who don't agree about things. Gaslighting is a whole nother level of trying to use accusation, discrediting, um, actual manipulation lying overtly hiding things from people and then telling them that you know they that you didn't hide it and you don't know where it is and then and that they must have a problem with their memory that they can't remember where they left this etc to get people to doubt their own perception and the validity of their experience so that's Uh, kind of a protracted way to talk about what gaslighting is and I woke up in the middle of the night realizing oh Harville Hendricks in his Imago Dialogue has an antidote to gaslighting so if you know somebody who is stuck in a relationship where they're feeling crazy and their partner doesn't give them credit and, and but but there's some other good things in the relationship and they want to save it or they want to go into therapy, recommend to them Harville Hendricks and the Imago Dialogue. And the Imago Dialogue is one of three pieces that I've talked about for years about this reflexive communication from Robert Bolton's work or the responsibility communication from Dr. Michael Rice's work or the Imago Dialogue from Harville Hendrix's work. There are probably dozens of others out there, but these are the three that I've run across that I use with people. And it the only thing about it that Dr. Michael Rice doesn't have in his work, but it's implied in Dr. Michael Rice's work, but it's explicit in Harville Hendrix's work, is that when I listen to what somebody is saying, I'm listening so that I can feed it back to them just to get acknowledgement that I'm hearing it the way they intend to send it. And, and that is what Michael Rice talks about and Robert Bolton talks about, as you just start by describing things without all of the emotional or judgment labels you describe things michael rice says the way a camera would record it or a a vocal recorder would an auditory recorder would record it and then you stay as close to that objective perception and then you own that this was your uh, as close to objective perception as you can get and you lay that out for the other person and if somebody is doing active listening they will listen to what you're laying out and then they will ask you so are you saying this and this and this and this and when it finally matches okay I agree that I was sitting in the room when you walked in walked across the room and put a book down on the counter, and then the dog started barking wildly, and then somebody said these words. We agree to all of that. In the Harville Hendricks work, it goes ahead and puts in, what emotion was I feeling as this happened or after this happened? And then my partner, who's doing the active listening, will feed back to me. I said this, I did this, this happened, that happened, and I had this emotion come up. And when I agree that my partner who's doing the active listening has heard and understood as best we can match what I intended and they're receiving it that way, the third step is that the active listener says, well, that makes sense that if you saw this, you heard this, you felt that, and it means this to you, it would make sense that you have this and this and that emotion. So there's a piece of validating the other person's experience, and it's that part of validating the other person's experience which is the opposite of gaslighting. And... I can validate another person's experience even though that has nothing to do with my experience. So in the example of the cards that my sons were showing me, I could validate it makes sense that you see this as red. And I don't think you need to doubt your perception or go take a color test because if you see a red light as red and you can stop where it's safe to stop and you can see this card as red and you've played this game successfully with dozens of your friends and it works beautifully, there's no reason you need to change anything about your thinking or anything about your perception, and I would validate that for them. Gaslighting would be the opposite of that. Gaslighting would be attacking them telling them their perception is wrong and invalid and their judgment is off, etc. So, again, there isn't really any reason in my mind to go out and buy the Harville Hendricks book. That book is titled Getting the Love You Want. But for the purpose of this discussion, it isn't necessary to go have the whole book and the whole therapy process. And yet the Imago dialogue that's contained in that book is has many pieces that are similar to Michael Rice's Responsibility Communication and very similar to Robert Bolton's listening that he outlined in his book people skills so we have plenty of time for some conversation clarification 563-999-3581 call that number press one we can have a conversation Do you have any questions about gaslighting? Do you have any questions about the Amago dialogue and how that might be seen as an antidote to gaslighting? And I I got news for you. If you have somebody that you feel has been gaslighting you and you invite them to participate in something like the Amago dialogue and they don't want to do it or they won't they won't give you credit for that, uh I would say Put some distance between yourself and that person as quickly as possible because you can't make somebody do something they don't want to do. Area code 760, I have attempted to turn on your microphone. Are you there?
2: I am here. You're there. Am I there? Yes. (whistles) Okay. This is Ann. Um. So I have an experience I'd like to share, and it kind of goes with what you were talking about yesterday with the judgment thing. And then today, um, I participated in a four-day online intensive through Opus Peace. I don't know if you've heard of Opus Peace. They're based in Florida. No. Okay. um,
1: It's an online intensive for what?
2: For soul injuries.
1: Did you say soul soul injury? injury?
2: Soul, S-O-U-L.
1: Like a wounded soul?
2: Yes. Like, you know, kind of like wounded warriors, kind of like. They started out with um, a group of five hospice nurses started working in the veterans. Um, They were working with dying veterans. And what I got out of that four-day was more tools like what, you know, Michael Rice and what you have presented as well through your different, you know, books and stuff. And I actually had a soul injury healed during the intensive. And it all had to do with perception. And I had a woundedness. I'm going to call it their term, a woundedness, back um, years ago. And I was able to deal with that because I was confronted with... um, what I saw is blame, you know, in one of the groups. What was cool, I've done the, the Zoom, the laws of living with Michael, right, online when he did the first Zoom, you know, intensives that he did. So I was familiar with that, but I didn't know that the capability was there to break out in different groups, and so the people who are hosting can do that. So I was in, you know, and they randomly picked you into different groups, and they were called breakouts. Um, so it was whatever topic they were presenting, then we kind of broke out into groups and kind of discussed it. And there was a leader, a facilitator, a, um, an intern who was, you know, had been doing more work. And they kind of led and asked us questions and we would answer. And they had like, um, you were given, well, anyway, I, I don't want to give all the details about what, it was very cool. They had a lot of hands-on things that are tangible and that kind of, you know, drew me in. Um, anyway, one of them was the heart, the anchoring heart technique, which is sort of similar to Michael's um, love exchange, where you put your hand over the other person's heart, and they put their hand over yours, and you close your eyes, and you go to the most loving space. Well, the anchoring heart, and they started doing that with veterans in any kind of an upset, um, you put your hand over your own heart, and you close your eyes or lower your lids, as they'll say, if you don't want to close your eyes all the way. And you just get quiet, and you feel your heartbeat, or you just go inside and just get quiet. But anyway, this is what I use on a breakout because I was triggered, Michael's term, <laughs> um, by um, a lady in my first group, in one of my first groups, that said she had a wife, and I, God was already showing me I had some prejudice left with this alternative lifestyle. I didn't have it with the guys for whatever reason, um, and there was some background on my own biological dad, so maybe that helped I would work through that. But for some reason, this triggered me, and it's like if I had hair on the back of my neck, it would have rose up. It felt like that. So on the break after that session, that breakout session where there were several of us there, I put my hand over my heart and I started walking around I knew I had to move because we sat, you know, for long periods at a time, maybe an hour, hour and a half at a time. So I'm walking, I'm going, and some of your stuff kicked in. I asked to be shown. What is going on? Why, Why is this bothering me so much? Why am I so triggered by this person who's choosing this lifestyle? And we only had 10 minutes. But I walked it through, and I asked to be shown, and God showed me. And I'm getting better at that because I'm remembering to ask. And he showed me that way back when, so it would have been in the, before we moved here, so it would have been in the, like, um, 1990s somewhere. I was at an educational conference in Phoenix, and on the lunch break, I was with a group of the women that were there. We were playing a board game, speaking of games, (laughs) Um, and I believe it was Scrabble. That's my recollection. And this one lady identified herself um, as a as a lesbian. And I'm I'm okay, right? We're we're having lunch. We're playing this Scrabble game. But she was a smoker. I'm not a smoker, but I was dealing with it. Um, and I sat catty corner to her. And I was taking evidently my perception. I was taking too long. To form the word and she blew cigarette smoke right in my face mm-hmm. that's where the wounded knit took place and when this lady all it was it was just a word and god was showing me that it's just a word but why is it meaning what it did so i was equating that wound with this person and i go whoa i mean i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about how he showed me all of this in a short amount of time So I get back on, you know, on class, and we have another session or two. And then we're in another breakout session. And another woman identifies as that, used the same word, was referring to her wife. And I was not triggered. And I go, oh, my gosh, that is so cool. Because what the word that God gave me was compassion, We were all there for the same reason. And they were wounded just like I've been wounded. And that was it. And I go, my goodness. So I wanna go back, bring it all together with, you've been talking about books and how, you know, there's similarities in some of these other authors and what Michael Rice's work is doing and what you do with your clients. And I go, okay, that's, and that's why I went into this intensive anyway or why I you know, paid to go, was because I wanted to see what their tools were. And so I now have a few more tools added to my toolbox. But to have that happen, I go, so now my thing is I need to practice applying it to the other areas, you know, where I need to do the wake-ups. Anyway, their process, they call Abide, Reckon, and Behold, and it's directly, I plugged it right into our wake-up sheet. You know, you're abiding with the feeling. You're reckoning. You go down in the middle of the page, right? You're setting a goal. Um, and then you wind up that you're coming from a different perspective. You're coming from a place of love at the end, so you're being you. And you're coming from source. Anyway, that's my perception of how it kind of plugged into our wake-up sheet. Um, anyway, I just want to share that it, it's so powerful when you ask to be shown. Anyway, thank you.
1: Well, it does sound powerful. And, uh, you know, I think um, there are quite a few people who are actively using worksheets who've had experiences like that through the worksheet process. And we like to say, and we don't always have them, right? There's a, there's a lot of uh, worksheets I do where I draw a blank or I feel more intensely upset after that one worksheet, and yet the longer I do them, the more likely it is I'm going to have a worksheet process that is as powerful and insightful as the example you just gave, where you make a conscious logical connection about something that has been operating at the subconscious or unconscious level in your life And once you make that connection, it loses its power over you. This is why Dr. Michael Rice encourages people to do the uh, Mind Shifter, the targeted journaling tool, to stir up whatever is in the subconscious or unconscious and add enough energy to it that it eventually spills out onto the page where it's conscious. Because once it's out here unconscious, now I can deal with it. But if it remains unconscious, then any time it gets resonated by the interpretations I'm choosing to place on life, then it will become the strongest resonant energy in my field, and the strongest resonant energy in my field will determine my behavior. In other words, when I stir it up, when I stir up the trauma in me, because I've chosen the interpretation that this woman is bad or wrong or dangerous because she might blow smoke in my face like that other person did who identified as a lesbian. And I'm not even aware that that's what's happened, but my body's going yep. into protection mode, right? Yeah. Danger, warning, anger, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it. And it's just happening because of the interpretation I've placed on the word I heard or the image I saw or the interaction I witnessed. It's not happening for any other reason.
2: That's As amazing. evidenced
1: by the fact that when you become consciously aware of it, you make that connection and breathe through it, the next time you hear that word, you don't have the response. Yeah.
2: it's One of their, um, when you met- mentioned the mind shifter and you call it targeting journaling right um their take on that tool is therapeutic writing but it's very similar um you know and um, they talk about what michael has talked about and you've talked about is writing a letter even though you may not send it to someone who has already passed or whatever with all the emotions that you need to deal with um and so yeah so there's some similarities that way. Um, and so they're about, like Michael is, you know, we're going to have a party in, what is it, 4,049, whatever. 49. Here. Yeah, 49,49. They would like to reach um with, you know, the goal of peace and sharing the tools um, with a million in 10 years, or 10 million in 10 years, 10 million people in 10 years. And so it's a lot in the healthcare, like you can get CE um, credits, if you're a healthcare professional or a counselor or a social worker, um, anyway, so I don't know, we'll see what God has for me. I'd love to work with parents, um, to help them, you know, go through all this work that we're dealing with, um, and heal so that they are passing on, you know, positive things and who they are to their children. There's so much, um, abuse of kids and stuff. We'll see what God has. Anyway, I just, yeah, I'm excited to get, you know, the the wake-up sheets of ones that I've started and haven't finished, and, and that's just encouraging. And so I know God gives us things to kind of push us along, you know, to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. So anyway, thank you for all your stuff that you do. Appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. I'm glad you're finding it useful, and thank you for this little story and vignette and um that powerful story of the insight and and that's the kind of thing that all of us can tap into whether it's through the soul injury or michael rice's work or Diedrich Wolsack's choose again or byron katie's the work or the sedona method the sedona release method or the eft tapping you know consistently persistently applied all of these things can help you get to the point where you start to realize what's valuable and what you're creating that's what Dr. Michael Rice would call disintegrative energy, disruptive energy Uh all right I'll mute you so you can listen into the second hour thank you for the call I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will welcome Jeannie Rice. And I will click on her microphone.
0: (laughs) I guess it helps to be unmuted when you're talking. (laughs) Thank you.
1: (laughs) You're very welcome. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: Thank you. You too. Welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio, and today is Friday, April the 28th, 2023. Kind of crazy to think the next time that we are together here on the show, it's going to be May. I am not real sure where April went, or January, February, or March, for that matter. Anyway, it went by really fast, and we're glad that you're with us today. And if you have a comment or a question, press 1, and that raises a hand in the control panel, and... uh, We would love to hear from you. And uh, hold the space. I've been talking with India this morning. Google's decided they must have gotten in trouble on something somewhere along the way because usually it's Apple that is really challenging to satisfy. And this time it's Google. And they're saying if I don't comply with something that uh, the app won't work after May the 10th. So hold this space that I can get it worked out. I've told them every way but upside down that uh, we don't collect data from the app. We don't sell anything on the app. It's totally free. We don't have financial information put on the app. That even the information that you all put in the app, we don't keep. That the only thing that's transmitted is if you sign up at the beginning of the app and you click to add us to your mail, to add you to our mailing list. And we do put your name, email, phone number in our database for our newsletters and such. But the app does not retain that information. So I am not sure. <laughs> and they talk about compliance with children and like there is nothing on our app that is dangerous for children or leads them to any kind of site that would you know, present a problem, or I know there's a lot of sites and and they are kind of scary you know there's so many kids I guess that are being uh targeted on the internet and things like that and, you know, and there's so much like pornography and stuff, but I have said you know there is none of that on our on our app, and we don't promote that, we don't use ads, so I am not sure what I need to do to get them happy, but um. Hold the space that we get that worked out in the next two weeks and that our app stays totally free and safe and out there for everybody to use. And Michael has joined us now, so I'm going to say welcome, Michael.
3: Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Delighted that you're here and that we get to play one more time with this uh gigantic shift of mind from believing that everything our mind tells us is true, believing that the pictures that it generates must be accurate because we see them, and and since we see them, they must be out there, to, to bring correction to that mind to recognize that everything that we see is happening in our brain, literally, literally, literally happening in our brain. There are things that match what goes on in our brain in the world. But what we see, what we hear, is all generated by the brain. One of the reasons that the uh, lesson, of course, tells us, I have given this all the meaning that it has for me. And when I'm ready to give up the meanings that I've assigned, that are based in insanity, fear, hostility, rage, guilt, grief, then the game changes. And until we change the game, there's going to be pain. You know, There are those who will tell us, there are actually large official philosophies that tell you that life is pain. It's just a lie. It's just not true. Life is the presence of active love. Pain happens when we put something into the space that isn't about love? Something that doesn't belong there. When we put an energy in, that's off the mark. So the purpose of pain and upset of all kinds is to make your ears grow, to get you to hear what you're doing to yourself. So realizing the short of someone or some punching you in the nose, cancel that thought, no one can hurt you, no one can disturb you, no one can upset you in any way, shape, or form. To actually heal... Ultimately, what I need to do is own my own ruffled feathers instead of playing the blame game. And I need to let go of the lie that others are the cause of my repeated patterns of disturbance. Sooner or later, I've got to relinquish my membership card to that one world religion of blame, of self or others, and recognize that I'm responsible for what goes on inside of me. I'm responsible for what I hear. And if I say that what I hear disturbs me, then I'm dissociating from the very root of my disturbance. Unfortunately, 2,000 years ago, this gentleman came along who understood that and showed exactly how to collapse those structures in the mind, perceptions based in pain. So while I'm responsible for what goes on inside of me, you're responsible for what moves inside of you. The habit to change is when something's moving inside of you to talk about what's moving inside of you as though you own it rather than talking about what's moving inside of you as being all somebody else's fault. To step out of the blame game and into responsibility. And to recognize that the prime source, the prime mover behind all internal energy movement is the mind, conscious or unconscious. So you could never disturb me in a million years and I have never been the source of your upset or hurt. But when each of us carries around unresolved associated pain, we continuously, energetically invite others to stomp on our pain and once again we cry, why is this happening to me again? And of course, It's all somebody else's fault. Why are all those people the same? If you want to get a deeper insight into that, you can go to our website, whyagain.org. And in the middle page, you'll see a book. Click on the book, download a free copy in any one of, I think, nine different languages now. And what that will explain is that our wounds are energetic assaults, oftentimes multi-generational, which we hide from ourselves by blaming others and create and, and by so doing, create an unnatural condition called an unconscious mind. And <clears throat> I love what uh, Carl Jung said. He said most people will do almost anything to avoid dealing with their own souls, facing their own souls. And, of course, that implies that we have to deal with our own internal dynamics. When I recognize that the simple act of hiding pain adds intensity to the very cause of the pain, because pain is just a secondary thing. When one holds their breath, when one strains to shut things down, what they're shutting down is the flow of mind energy within them. But because the invisible world works through resonance, several things happen. When I shut it down and add energy to it, when I push on it, I add energy to it. And that energy begins the destruction of the tissue in which that trauma energy is stored. It draws anyone with the matching bag of garbage, the matching energy, toward me, if I hold that hidden in me. Another brilliant insight by Carl Jung, he says, until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will direct our lives and we will call it fate. So through resonance, whatever we hold on to has to play out in the world. Now, contrary, in Latin, mistranslations have told us, the opening words in the ancient book of John really informs us on this very topic with the words, in the beginning was the mind energy, and the mind energy became flesh. Cell biologist Bruce Lipton, in his research, acquaints us with the, the fact that when we think of thought that thought appears, literally appears in what we call the body as a molecule. It's called a neuropeptide. When the neuropeptide lands on a cell, the cell replicates that molecule inside of itself as chemistry. Truly mind energy becoming flesh. Emotions are the warning signal that tell us the quality and the impact of each thought active in us. When in pain, we're being warned that we are engaging in disordered thinking, and contrary to the brainwash of the world, no one else is caused. No one else can make anything move within us that is not already there. And each energy that causes pain results in damage of the self. Pain-induced disorders also tend to block the experience of ourselves is love, the, the truth about who we are. People say, why don't you love me? Why won't you love me? And the truth is that love is not a verb. It's not it's something we can get from anybody else. It's not something we can give to anyone else. We can extend ourselves to others. But in truth, that's functioning as love. It's not loving them. Just hold a newborn child, tap into the energy of the newborn, and ask yourself the question. This love that I'm experiencing as the newborn, is the newborn loving me or is the newborn love? Powerful question to ask yourself. Is the newborn loving me, or is the newborn love? As long as one lives in denial, that's the pretense that something outside of them is the cause of what's moving inside of them, and someone resonates their internal hurt, that individual's perception, the constructs of their mind, the mind's image of whoever it is that they're focused on and blaming, will literally be built out of the unresolved hurt. So all of a sudden they, the person we think is out there, shows up in my mind with my pain attached, and I get to hallucinate proof, an actual picture in my mind that shows me that they're the cause. And that is the mechanism of projection. Perception is an internally generated construct a hologram built by my mind out of internal content. When due to my own denial, my internal dynamics are massaged to look like they exist and are caused by something or someone outside of me. And I get to live in a fantasy world where I become the victim of my own unconscious dynamics and blame everybody else. This sleight of hand, or actually sleight of mind, is the act of externalizing what has been projected. When I populate my mind's world with pictures built out of unresolved pain and blame thoughts, I get to prove the lie that whoever I'm focused on is the cause. And this is an almost... Universal lie of the mind of men. And this is the sole reason humans live as victims and live in the desert of creating the same results over and over again. If I'm going to actually live the life of an actual human being in regards to what others do, hold to that life the truth of who i am and what i am not loving others but being love i can awaken from the slumber of universal blame at that point i recognize forgiveness is not about letting them off the hook for my projection and externalization but by facing and directly embracing the pain content my own mind and removing it, I'm engaging in the act of forgiveness. When I take the time to shift my mind and, and gain an understanding of the technology with which to collapse my false perception, projection on others, I get then to drop into the real cause of my hurt and healed the unresolved pain when it's hidden by my denial and served up for my own unconscious mind. You'll notice, and this is one of my favorites, I've been through it 87 different times with 42 different people, you're the only one that was there every time. The miracle of healing becomes apparent when one surfaces the deeply hidden dynamics from within and changes the patterns of energy that produced that why is this happening to me again experience. Now this is the moment that, you know, as one acquires the skill, which we're speaking of, that's the moment when others seem to change. And both my body and mind heal. Others change because I build my brain's image of them out of different data than my own unresolved pain. So we build pictures of bodies out of data that's moving in me. When I collapse into and forgive unresolved pain, that pain is no longer there to build my brain's image of anyone. And all of a sudden, people stop hurting me. They stop doing the behavior that I found so traumatic. It's a great quote from Bruce Lipton, cell biologist. He says, "The moment you change your perception is the moment you rewrite the chemistry of your mind body." He actually talks about just the body, but it's really you're rewriting the, the mind, the body, and the nervous system. Once you've let go of something, the reflection outside of you cannot deliver what you're no longer holding in your energy field, and and that's how they change. Short of direct abuse, stress and pain do not come from outside of us. And ultimately, we must each heal the projections that are inside of ourselves. Those projections make it look like the pain is coming from the external world. Once we learn and engage in the practice of forgiveness that we're speaking of, it's easy to hold the space of love and accountability for those who then violate our goals. Once again, perception is a product of the mind. We see nothing with our eyes. We see with our brains. There's no life in the holograms produced by the mind. And if we believe that there is, then we've been suckered There's a short, about thirty-minute, awesome video on our YouTube channel. I invite you to go to whyagain.org and click the YouTube channel, or go to YouTube directly, and just type in Michael Rice, and you'll find that channel. And look down the list, and there's a, a, a about a thirty-minute lesson called "What Is the World." It just succinctly puts that all together. If we function as love and continue to extend that love in the direction of those that, you know, the world calls the enemy, that act literally flushes out of us the fear, the rage, the grief, the guilt, the pain, and the trauma that they've resonated in us. And that's basically how healing occurs, real healing. And each time, <clears throat> for me, you engage in that, you create a new space for the indwelling of love in your own temple. It's an interesting process. And one that is doable. And you have to be patient with yourself because it's something that doesn't happen overnight. And each new level of vitality that you heal means you'll be able to access a new depth of what it is that needs to be healed. So, of course, there's that uh, line from the book Illusions by Richard Bach that says, we teach best that which we most need to learn. And so here we are learning it. And delighted that you're here participating in the conversation. So, Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chair? We've
0: got 38 minutes. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one, And press 1. And that's the queue. Let's have a conversation. I was just checking my other email to see if there had been any questions from them that we had not addressed. And I am not seeing any
3: well, if you're out there in this land, as you... That little packet of information I just laid out, it's kind of a, a succinct picture of this work. How does that fit for you? What does it bring up for you? Does it make sense? Is there something about it you go, that's ridiculous. Or, I need to know more about that one. If so push one. Let's have a conversation. I would love to hear from you and how hear how your process is going. 563-999-3581. Nine, 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 That's our calling number.
0: Ms. Cecilia has put her hand up. 480, you're on the air.
4: Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Michael.
3: Welcome, young lady.
2: This is like a
4: dream come true. I don't have to go to school and learn this stuff, you know. And, and, you I, am on, and I am on all the time, and today for some reason listening, I'm like, whoa, this is like I try to grab the, the message, and it, I didn't get it this time. Oh, I'm going to grab it the next thing he says. <laughs> I think I got a little bit of it. You know, uh, and working on my lesson from yesterday, it first I had to go through what listening to myself going, oh, my God, you know, just get a judgment of me sharing. And, and then I listened to it a couple other times, and the last time I listened to it, I'm just getting past, well, I'm glad you shared that was a good thing to share so I went through phases of, of and there's so much to learn that you have to go through to learn it uh, it's, it's um, I don't know what if I'm making sense to you
3: Well, I hear you and what you bring to mind it was a book and I don't remember the title right now but this goes back probably 20 years ago for me and somebody gave me this book and said, this is really good, you need to read it. And I picked it up and it's like, I just, I couldn't even do a, more than a paragraph or two. And I was like, why why would I want to read this? And I put it aside. And I'm not sure how much later it was. A couple of years later, I was on a, a, a trip where I had flown and I dug out a briefcase that uh, just happened to have that book in it. And when I got to my destination, I had some time. And I you know, went what my briefcase and here's, how did that get in here? And I sat down and devoured that book in one reading. Like I couldn't get enough of it. But the first time I picked it up a couple of years earlier, it's like, yeah. I, I, like not even a paragraph of it didn't make sense. So I think we go into sensitive periods where we're ready for a new major piece of the puzzle. And, you know, when you're ready, it's like my experience is it's like I just become a sponge. And when I'm not, it just bounces off of me. Yeah. So it just sounds like you're, you know, you've been you've been doing this inner process and you're ready for the next level. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah.
4: Can I when I was sixteen years old and I just got my driver's licence and I drove somewhere. I was always upset at sixteen. Okay, millions of worksheets. Okay. So so <laughs> but but I but I uh I had this thought come to me and it said, You've been brainwashed. I'm sixteen. I'm like not a not a worldly sixteen year old in any way, shape or form. I don't hang out with people, I'm just like a loner and I'm like, what the heck did that mean? And, you know, I just always tried to figure it out, but I listened to you say the brainwashed. And I'm like, there, he's saying <laughs> Finally, finally the was trying to whatever was trying to tell me I was brainwashed. But I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it.
3: Well, well again, it's a sensitive period. There's a Quote in the scriptures, it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the world is always pushing in on us, saying this way, this way, this way. Conform. As opposed to, you know, kind of like pushing out the dents in the fender of the car. Pushing out the dents in the mind, just getting rid of the brainwash.
4: Pushing what out the mind, did
3: you say? Just y- using the example of, you know, we've got a car that the, the fenders are dented in. So we're pushing the dents out of the fender. It's kind of the same thing in the mind. when We're getting rid of the brainwash, the stuff based in hostility and fear.
4: Yeah.
3: And returning to the truth, you know, functioning as the truth oh, yeah. of who we are, and, and functioning to originate energy rather than just replay the energy of the generations and of the culture.
4: So maybe this might make some sense. I was very creative, very, very seriously creative. I just wasn't uh, acknowledged to be, to, you're not a musical person in our family. So I only tried tried to go for it 100% when I got sober at 30. And all the doors were opening up for me. However, before that time, going into universities and all that kind of stuff, I could hear music in my head. I I heard it all the time. I heard songs in my head. I heard I heard uh, you know the lyrics. lyrics they weren't to that particular music or, or idea of music, and it scared me so much because it didn't gel with who I thought everybody told me I was right so so I prayed with everything inside of me for it to go away because it scared me and it didn't go with who I my persona was right so because I thought I'm just I gotta go to school just to find a guy to marry because that was my dad's plan and find to find a find a doctor you know <laughs> And right. so uh, so so i i did pray so hard and it finally did go away and however uh when i it, that came at the same time i got accepted into schools okay without even auditioning cuz i didn't even play an instrument then which was bizarre and so so I got into school and I was so determined to do the best, be the best I could possibly be. Not even caring if I didn't really like what I was putting all my energy in. And uh, I lost, I lost all connection to the creative mind because I was just going by what I was told, what was, you know, put into me and all that kind of stuff. And I think I've read somewhere before, this is like what, con conform to the world or something that would that you said do not conform to the world why conform and and I did it because I thought if I can learn musical skills I can get into the part of my mind that is creating these cool beautiful songs and I'll, I'll know how to play them I'll know the chords I'll know this that backfired fired on me, and uh, or I backfired, and I had something in my mind. I have to take 100% responsibility here. But I've been wanting it to come back lately, and there are a few things that I've heard you say in the last couple of days that I feel like I I can do it. Is that mm-hmm. I had a goal. I had a goal for it to go away. That was a serious, strong goal, and out of fear. Now I can cancel that goal to have that goal. And, and ask my mind, like have my goal for today be to, you know, get creative and hear the music part, you know, different parts of like p- pieces of the puzzle of the of a song, you know. And being right. that I won't, I won't, I never can't that. I've been wanting it to come back, but it hasn't. And I haven't gone to sleep going, before I go to sleep going what you say, which is, Um, cancel, if you did not achieve the goal, then cancel it, you know, and, you know, because you can't have it while you sleep, right? You only have the goal for a day or, am I making any sense at all? Well,
3: what, what, what that, that is, is when you cancel, when you, goals create stress. So when you cancel all goals before you sleep, you go to sleep stress-free and the only goal well, usually I put two goals together for me, and one is for deep, restful, regenerative sleep, and the other is for guidance on anything I need guidance on. If I've framed the goals that I'm going to achieve tomorrow and I'm asking for guidance. But one okay. of the things you might do is ask that power within you, what do yeah. I need to do to get that back? You know, I, I shut okay. it down, so what do I need yeah. to do to get it back? And and
4: you know, is that a goal that I'm setting right now? When I say that, are you? Are you meaning that would be reasonable. reasonable? Okay. And then yeah. have that plan. Plan that the night before. Then, then if I get guidance during my sleep, that's fine. And if not, in the in the uh, the following day, set it as a goal for that day for my mind to direct me to inspiration.
3: Sure. And a nice tool you can use when you take that sort of thing into sleep with you is have a glass of water on your nightstand. The last thing you do before you close your eyes is drink half of the glass of water. And as you're drinking it, tell yourself that. Any guidance that you get in regard to this question, I'll remember in the morning when I drink the other half glass of water. And in the morning drink right. it and just allow yourself to bring forward whatever was shown to you in the night that perhaps has been forgotten. Whether it was a dream or, you know, yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. And that can that can be really helpful.
4: You say in a dream, I think maybe these these um things, my music that just naturally came to me. I did not even ask for them to come then. It, it were right. lucid. I mean you use the word lucid dream, maybe they were lucid Lucy's dreams when I'm awake. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. So other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm a student in your school and I like your school better than any school I've ever been in and <laughs> rock and roll sitting in the front row of of the class and
3: go I'll, for I'll it. Well, you sound again. like you're ready to take. You sound like you're ready to take everything to the next level, and that's awesome. So we're here to support you.
4: Oh, I also want to tell you, even though I heard somebody yesterday before I shared saying that there was some trouble with a blog or something that she was, she only heard 10 minutes of it or something, that was yesterday. Okay. I, I tried to go, I did go on your website, why is this happening to me again, to get to and. And where it just has the 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 microphone and everything, and it has the number. I normally click on that, and it's and something comes up and said no longer able to uh, dial in this. I don't know how it said it from this from this device or something. Not my phone, but I guess it meant Mm -hmm. that I. And then I call. Then I tried lower below that initial mind shifters. Icon with the number on it. I went down to where it says um, call and listen, listen or or you know whatever, and and I tried it there and the same the same pop up came same on thing. Cecilia, yeah, the um,
0: the list of archives doesn't always show up on phones. I guess it depends on the size <laughs> of your phone as well. But if, if you do it on a tablet or a computer. Then over on the right side, you'll see
4: the whole list of archives for 11 years. Well, I need to know that too. So, but but as far as trying to dial in, I normally don't have to manually dial in at all. But today, for some reason, I don't know. Maybe it's me, obviously. But but you might want to just check when you can click on the number on your on your on your website. You can just put your finger on it and it dials it in. You it dials it Am I correct? Does it dial you in? I don't ever remember dialing manually. Um, I don't think so. You don't think what, so what you don't, I don't think you can just click
0: on it and it dials you in unless your phone, like if you click on the, if you highlight the number itself, it's just call in live and it has the number. Sometimes on your phone, you can click on that and it will ask you, do you want to call it, but there's not a live link
4: in the oh, website oh.
0: that dials it but your phone probably does it
4: okay i didn't know if you wanted to just look at that or not because you know it's, it would be frustrating for somebody else who doesn't know what the heck it, i don't know and if it's just me it's just me but i you know i i would love to have more people come into the show and learn and whatever they need and not have to have that as some kind of issue it's if it's not an issue it's not an issue
3: I cool. mean, because cool.
4: maybe who knows where my head's at.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the show yesterday when Celinda called, she did uh, leave me a message that uh, she did go to the archives and the whole show was there. So there was something going on with blog Doc that was kicking her out, I guess,
4: and technology. Uh, okay. Yeah, of course. So we, uh, um, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, uh, we feel blessed by this technology that, you know, and it's reasonably, it's a reasonable cost, and that we can be talking to you and somebody in Russia and somebody in, you know, in Yugoslavia and somebody in South America is listening to the show all at the same time. And then, you know, ten minutes after it's over, anybody can go to the link in the uh, in the archives and listen to it again. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing, amazing technology.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Anyway, all right. Well, I'm gonna head out here and do my chores, and so I will. All right. Have a blessed one. Uh, stay, stay in touch. Thanks, everybody. Right, bye. Blessings.
3: Take care. All right, bye bye. Hi, Miss Jeannie. Do we have anything happening in the chat room? Anybody else with a hand up in the phone queue?
0: No, it is quiet. So five six three nine 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 three five eight one
3: and press one. As Jeanie says, that puts you in queue to talk to us. So let's talk about it. How can we support you? What's on mm-hmm. your mind? I'm pretty much complete with what I had to say with the uh, the opening, creating that sort of synopsis of the work that I hope is helpful to folks. So if you're out there and have a topic you'd like to bring up, push one. Let's see what's happening, what's on your mind. And if nobody has a conversation, I'm kind of complete with what I'd planned to say. So if nobody has a thought for us or a question, Jeannie, maybe we'll call the show today and get on with our chores. Counting down three, two, one. All right. Well, appreciate you everybody. Thanks for joining us. Have a blessed day. Bye bye.
4: Evolving continuously.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the First Century Aramaic Internal Process of Forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on MindShifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.yagain.org. That's www. Dot W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot org.